0: This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults. Hi and welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. I'm Laura and today I'm delighted to be joined by Linda and Alan, who are going to talk about the Caring Dads programme, which has been successfully implemented in Leeds City Council. This podcast is the second in a three-part series, which focuses on the topic of working with men. So, hi, Linda and Alan. Hi, Laura. Hello. So, just to start us off, do you want to introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your story in relation to the Caring Dads programme?
1: Hello, my name is Alan. Um, I joined the Caring Dads programme maybe three years ago now to improve my parenting skills and improve my family's life.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm Linda. I'm um, Caring Dads Facilitation. I was one of the facilitators in the group that um, Alan did. Um, so we worked together for that time. I deliver the groups and also train up facilitators as well. So I'm part of a small team in Leeds that does that work.
0: So, Alan, you know, what really helped you to initially engage with this programme?
1: I think it was it was more of a... A personal mindset that I was at that age where I understood that I wasn't doing the best that I could and something needed to change yeah yeah and joining the caring dads program helped me with that
2: and I I would I think from the very start you were quite reflective about that in the group I can remember something really early on with you talking about I don't know if you remember this but in a very early session there was some talk around whether you needed, whether lack of money was a barrier to being a good dad, I think. don't know if you remember that. I do,
1: and I don't believe that it is. And you
2: were sort of saying to some of the others, look, it's about, you know, so I can remember right from the off that you had a kind of approach that was, you know, it's about the quality of the time you spend with your kids, is, which yeah. was actually really helpful for us in the group.
0: And Linda, what's the, you sort of said Alan's quite unusual in that kind of first meeting being so reflective. You know, is, you know what's the general feeling when you, you know, of the group? Is it very, everyone's very tentative to begin with? And how do you kind of make people feel in the space that Alan was in so early on?
2: I think that often people feel that they're different from the rest of the group to start with. And then gradually over time start to see that actually there's similarities, even though everybody's story is different and everybody's circumstances are different, that actually everybody's there because they're struggling in one way or another with their relationship or their kids or their family life. So so actually what happens over time is rather than people feeling like they're different and separate, is they start to, to get something from that commonality or that yeah. support. Do you think that's...
1: I do believe that, yeah. It's, it's like I was saying, I was really nervous at the start and didn't believe that what I was going through, that so many other dads would be going through the same thing. But then after one or two sessions, it came apparent to me that I'm not the only one that's going through this exact thing as the other dads. So it came to that point, maybe the second session, where I decided that I'm not going to be quiet and sit at the back and just listen. I'm going to get involved and share my experiences with everybody else
2: yeah, we, we were talking um when we met recently we went with it that one of the things that was really helpful about having Alan in the group is that he was prepared to step forward quite early on and um be honest about what had been going on and how he felt about things, but also I think about, about four or five weeks in in the program you start, you do some role plays. It's around it's around um the child-centred fathering bits where it's about listening and praising and playing and we start off with some, and it's one of those things that if you can get some dads to get involved and do it, it really, it has a really big impact and Alan was the first to volunteer and became sort of like champion of the group with role play and then it was like, you know, trying to persuade some of the others to step up as well. So it was, you know, again, I I imagine that's probably quite nerve-wracking doing something like that. I mean, it's, I don't know how it was for you, but I imagine it might have been out of your comfort
1: zone a little bit. I was terrified. (laughs) To be straight with you, I was terrified. I I can get that. I've never been one for doing the drama sort of things. I've never paid attention in drama at school. But when it come to, like I was saying with the group, it was, I need to do something. So if it means I have to get up and make a complete fool of myself, then I will. But then it gives me the ability to share my experiences, as I was saying but it was really terrifying for me to do that. But becoming the one that everybody basically voted to be the the role player <laughs> yeah. wasn't something I was expecting.
2: Yeah, but it, but it was powerful that in a sense because yeah. the other group then really started to look to Alan to, you know, do that. And it was yeah, it was very helpful. Again, very helpful for us as facilitators.
0: And how did it feel then for you, Alan, you know, doing role play and sort of opening up and talking about your feelings, you know, from that first meeting with the group? You know, how did that feel then? And then how did that change over time? Because it seems like you had a real journey um, that you're talking about here. And do you have any kind of reflections on that?
1: It was scary. Again, it was one thing that I never thought I'd have to do, you know, share my feelings with a group of other people. -hmm. Because I I never had that. What's the word I'm looking for? I never had the support from my dad to be able to stand up and speak out. Mm -hmm. So I never had that support. And I thought to myself that I need to do something, as I was saying before, and I'm repeating myself a lot, but I needed to do something. It terrified me. Yes. Was I embarrassed? Yes. (laughs) Did I really care? No. Because I needed to do something to improve my life and hopefully improve other fathers' lives as well.
2: No, that's really, it's really good to hear that. And, and you also were talking quite a bit about, like you said, you just said you didn't have the support from your dad, yeah. but also yeah. you're talking about your relationship with your son, weren't you, yeah. as well. So looking at what was going on with you and your dad, what was going on with you and your son, and how did you want it to be going forwards? Hmm. that was apparent really early on that you'd already been thinking about that, but you were using the group to think more and more about
1: that. Yeah. To expand on that, it was basically my dad was really never there for me. I never had the love that you need from your dad. I never had any affection. Um, As I said to the group and I said to Linda many times, it was like I was living in a boot camp there. And I said after I left my dad's house that I promised to myself I wouldn't allow anything that happened to me while I was at my dad's happen to any of my children. But it became apparent before the the caring dads group, I was doing exactly what my dad was doing, which made me get in a lot of trouble basically. And um, social workers were involved in that sort of thing. And then the caring dads program came along and like I said, I had to jump on something to stop that from happening and I did.
2: Yeah I think that's a really good way to put it.
0: And Linda I don't know if you can kind of build on that in terms of um, you know the Caring Dads programme that's had such a positive impact here with um, Alan. It, how, can you just give up? Is a bit of an overview of of what the Care and Dad's program involves in terms of you know how many sessions. You've talked a little bit about this individual sessions as well as group sessions, but how long does it last? And um, and and what useful um, tips and things can you tell our listeners?
2: Sure. So it's a seventeen week program, which is is fairly long. Um, it's not quite as long as the the building back relationships program that the probation service does, but it's it's pretty long. It's, so you have an assessment with a, a Caring dad facilitator and your social worker referrer. It's very much a partnership. So the referrers stay involved throughout the programme because obviously they're the, they're the people working with the whole family who would have been seeing Alan's partners and kids. We, we only just work with the dads. So there's an assessment and there's 17 group sessions, but in the middle of, at week 10, we have an individual review meeting. So again, it'd be Alan, me and his referrer would get together and say... How's it going? Uh, you know, how how did, does Alan feel his work in terms of his goals? How useful is he finding it? How's it going from the social worker's point of view? How's it going from our point of view? So we're working together openly to try and help Alan achieve the goals that he set with us at the beginning, if you like. And then there's the other bit. The way it works, the programme itself, it's it's four main goals. So the first few sessions are about trying to get the guys in the group comfortable to bit like Alan's described really to kind of speak to each other to bond as a group to sort of be supportive to each other and then the next chunk of stuff is all about what what we call in the program child-centered fathering so it's all about how do you consciously think about your behavior as a dad and is it is it is that about your kid's interests or is it about your interests? so there's there's tools that Alan will probably talk a bit about that we use for that um And then the next that's a big chunk where we talk about there's more similar stuff to other parenting programs where we talk about praising, playing, listening, those sorts of skills with children and we're encouraging the dads in that point to spend lots of time with the kids to connect with them to understand and know their kids better. And then the third bit of the program which is kind of most difficult bit I think and it comes later on is the bit where we we are actually talking about some of those behaviors that have led to the guys coming to the group so we're really looking at okay what's going on for somebody in one of those situations that was very challenging. What were they feeling? What were they thinking? What did they do? And how could we how could we change that outcome? So how could we reframe how somebody's thinking? How can we help them to think differently about a situation, to take some alternative actions, if you like? So that's the kind of bit where we ask all of the men to stand up in front of the rest of the group and talk through an incident or talk through something in, significant to them in detail with the support of the rest of the group and you have to have that later on in the group by the time you know so that the groups trust in and knows each other already and the last part of the program is all about rebuilding trust and um, sort of going forward planning for for the future so what's going to help you to carry on doing this work making these changes what's going to help you to regain the trust with your partner and children if, if, if it's been hurt, uh, that sort of stuff. And
0: just, you know, Alan, you're just hearing, you know, a reflection from Linda there about the overview of the programme. What do you significantly remember from your engagement from the programme? Is there particular tools that you used or anything that you thought were really helpful? And, and what have you taken forward after being part of the group?
1: Well, there's many different tools that they, they employ during the group. But I think one specific one that has always stood out is I can't remember the title of it, but it was like understanding your child's age and the type of behaviour that is involved them being that age. So say like how a five year old might run around like a nutter, thinking the Superman sort of thing, you know. And some some dads I for one have done it before, have told the children off for that because I didn't. I didn't quite understand how that that age tied in with that type of behaviour. That it's not bad behaviour; it's just children being children, learning learning how to run around, learning to look forward to the future, sort of thing. And it's mm. just you know, it were it's a good example. It's, yeah. that, it's that feeling that you get that is this the right thing I'm doing? Is my child just being a child, or are they being naughty are they misbehaving are they pushing the limits when in reality with that specific tool that I was describing then it basically told me that this is the type of behavior what you can expect not necessarily all children will do this but this is the type of behavior you can expect around that age
2: Mm.
1: and as part of that exercise each member of the group would talk about something that maybe they've They've looked at that age Mm. and thought, this is how I've dealt with it. And then someone else had had, um, pipe in and said, well, maybe you could have dealt with it this way. Mm. And there was different tactics around like a little chart, like a a graph thing. Developmental chart. Developmental chart, that's the one. A developmental chart. What you're describing is exactly spot on, Mm. whether you know the name for it or not, it doesn't matter. I think out of all of the tools, that one has been the most helpful to me. Because now... When I see my children running around like nutters, my uh, five and seven-year-old, I'll either join in with them or I'll ask what they're doing. And then they'll start explaining to me, this is what we're doing, we're being superheroes or we're playing in McDonald's. You know, they use their imagination. So I get involved with them if I can. Instead of telling them off about it, I'm involved with it. So they understand that, yes, it's a bit silly to be running around, but it is part of growing up. So that tool, above all of us, I think, is the one that's helped me the the utmost. It's the best tool that I'm, I still implement now, to this day.
2: It all links together, doesn't it? They, yeah. all, they all link together. And I suppose what's different about caring dads as a programme as opposed to other parenting programmes, we're not generally teaching um, dads how to manage children's behaviour. What we're teaching them is how to look at their them yeah. first. Look at their behaviour first, if you like. There is bit there is bits that crosses over into that child behaviour management that helps. Like you said, understanding what's the usual sort of behaviour for a kid of a certain age helps you not to be too harsh if they're doing it, or helps you to understand where they're coming from. But what we're always doing in the caring as program is first and foremost saying what's going on what's going on for the child, but also. What could you
1: do differently as yeah, the dad? I was just going to use that one as an example, then it actually popped up. That's one of the other tools you you implement, if I remember, as to sort of like put yourself in your child's position
2: Yeah.
1: after they've done something, maybe, I don't know, maybe they've knocked a, a bottle of juice over or something. Put yourself in your child's position and understand, is this a point where my child needs me to tell them off? Or is this a point where my child needs to understand that Things like this can happen if you're not too careful. So it's it's something around them lines that you put yourself in your child's position and understand that it was an accident, it's going to happen, accidents will happen, and it's it's not necessarily about telling off your child when it comes to them doing that. It's about finding a different tactic as to, it was an accident, be more careful next time.
0: Linda, you know and Alan, you know, in terms of what really worked then in terms of that journey, how how was it that kind of your relationship working with Linda, particularly Alan, helped in kind of building your confidence um, in, in, in being a parent?
1: I think it was knowing that there's, there is actually people out there that do want to help single fathers and dads. And we're not, we're not alone. There is people out there that want to help us and are sharing the same experiences. But as males, we've been brought up to hide everything, you know, took it into a nice, neat little pocket. And I think with the Caring Dads group, especially being run with a female or two females as well, it made a lot of men a little bit more... It made them let the guard down a bit, I think, so they could get rid of some of them issues that they had and talk about some of the issues that they had around the parenting, around feelings in general. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And all caring dads did deal with all of that sort of stuff as well. So I think that that really did help having a female-ran group along with other males that are going through the same situations. It made me, and I'm sure quite a few of the other Dad's in that group, it made us feel a bit more, I don't know, mellow, a bit more relaxed that we didn't have to put things in the pocket, so to speak.
0: That's really interesting what you're saying there, Alan, about sort of the gender dynamics within the room and how that kind of um, impacted on you in such a a positive way. Linda, just in your experiences, you know, what are some of the key things to consider when working with men and fathers? And do you have any reflections on, on being a woman in that context? Um, you know, Also reflecting
2: on what Alan's just said there. I think that having a, a man and a woman, what we have generally needed is you had a man and woman facilitator as another, another third person. So there would be three to start with. And I think having a, a man and woman lead in it is really important, I think if it was just two men or just two women all the time, I don't think it would work as well. And I think part of it is you're a bit like Alan was saying, you know, you've got different different dynamics in the group because of that. But also as a pair of facilitating that group, you're a bit like uh, you're modelling that good relationship between a man and a woman, how to negotiate things and how to um, show respect and... You know, some of the men haven't seen that much before. I wouldn't necessarily say that was the case for Alan, but some of the men maybe haven't seen uh, women in that position or haven't seen that a positive relationship in that way. So I think that's part of it. I think different people respond differently to you know to to men, to women, to different individuals. I think, but it's I think there is something important about the being being a man and a woman doing it because a lot of what we're talking about although it's although it's about parenting and fathering it's also very much about what's going on between parents isn't it between a man and a woman and it's very much about um, some of those relationship difficulties patterns of behavior that people get into that's about men and women so I think having different perspectives in the room
1: yeah
0: You've talked quite a bit there, Alan, about how positive it was being in a, in a group, um, you know, to discuss those different things. Do you have any kind of both of you have reflections on you know the difference of doing group work compared to individual work um, within this kind of context?
1: I, for one, always thought that before Care and Dads came along, that the best way to deal with something is on your own. I always seem to think that but when it came to the dad, caring dad's group and being in that group, although, as I was saying, it was scary and it was daunting, after you start hearing a little bit about what the other dads are going through, you can start understanding that, as I said before, you're not the only person who's going mm. through them issues. And each dad has their own ways of dealing with things. So... Being in a group, it allows you to share them experiences between the whole group and the group share the experiences with you as well. So one dad in the group may find something that I'm doing, they may find a different way around that. Mm. So they could tell me that maybe you should try it this way. In the friendliest way possible, maybe you should try it this way. You know, I do this with my daughter or my son and this, this is what works. And it's just... Being able to share between the different dads, your different parenting techniques, your, your ways of dealing with how you as a parent feel or how you as a male feel. Being able to share it with other males, it it is scary at first, but once you start doing it, it does make you a lot more understanding that, like I was saying, you're not the only one who's going mm. through it. Mm. You know, you can't always do everything on your own. Everybody needs somebody there to help them out, be that female or another male. Mm. You need somebody there to be able to deal with yourself. Because as Linda said before, all it takes is one or two people to stand up and speak or stand out in a group. And then as we're human beings, we're built to follow anyway. So people will see that there's one person standing out in a group and they'll start opening up a bit more in the group. And then in general, it makes the entire group become friends I suppose mm-hmm. become friends with each other because yeah. I for one honestly thought that I really enjoyed going to that group not just because of dealing with the parenting things and how I could deal with something but it was a way for me to have a chat with other people yeah you know other yeah, males totally. because I'm, I'm not one that has a lot of friends maybe I have one or two friends but then when I was at that group it was like everybody was your friend some, it took a bit longer for you to get through to, but others, it's everybody who is your friend. Yeah. And having friends there, be it even even if it is only once a week, just going and being able to vent and talk to the other dads and have a laugh and joke with the other dads while doing the group.
2: Yeah.
1: It, it makes you want to do it more, mm. in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I know. I think that's that's really, I think the grief is really powerful it's not it's different what you can do with individual work so i think i think what works best in carried out is is a little bit of both because you have your individual meeting assessment with the social worker and you have a midway review meeting don't you and also we you have quite a lot of phone calls and a lot of discussions with one facilitator but a lot of the work's going on in a group and i think you, you need both you need the group sort of group program and the group momentum helps people helps people reflect more because they're listening to another dad or they're hearing something another dad's done and it's usually easier to think about other people's issues until you're ready to look at your own but also what we try and do in the program is get dads to think about their individual goals like Alan would have set individual goals of things he wanted to work on So while we're doing this group programme, we're also trying to focus on individuals' things to achieve. But I think there's just something so... I think part of anything else, what you said about men often not sharing and not seeking help, one of the things we find... Two of the outcomes we find often from the group, which are kind of almost like side products, is men are more willing to ask for help in the future. So if something's going wrong, because they've had an experience of getting some help and hopefully that's been okay and been useful. Um, and often as well, the men will have a better, the dads will have a better relationship with the social worker, the referrer than they did before. And again, that's not always the case, but it's certainly those two, I would say, are quite common outcomes from our point of view. I mean, you had a fairly good with that social worker, pretty good relationship already, but uh, and as I remember, there was somebody else in the group who had the same yeah. social worker, I think. Um, yeah but it's still often because dads might feel you know the social worker's not so much talking to them or is perhaps you know spending more time talking to the mum that they kind of both feel excluded but also then exclude themselves more by withdrawing and that often breaks down in the in the process of the group you often find that the dad starts to talk much more to the social worker as well and so it's just It's broken something
0: down there that was a barrier, if you like. And Alan, did you kind of experience any other barriers, um, you know, either engaging with the Caring Dads programmes or, you know, on on your journey there?
1: Um, There was a lot of issues with social workers that I'd had in the past. But as Linda said, then there was that one social worker who seemed to understand a bit more what my point of view was and how I was going through things. But I, I had quite a few bad experiences with social workers before the social worker that introduced me to the group. And it's hard for me to say, but it's like the other social workers that I was working with before the one that introduced me to the group were it's like they didn't take into consideration that I was human. Mm-hmm. or of a you're a male in this house, you've had a bad life, you're the problem. Like I was the problem and that's, that was one of the barriers that didn't help me increase and improve on my parenting for one is because that social, certain social workers were saying that I was the issue. And I can understand some of it was my fault, yeah. But when you're standing there in front of a social worker who's basically meant to help you and they're saying you need to leave this house because you're the issue, it kind of destroys you because they're not taking into consideration that you might have some issues that you need to deal with and you might have some good ideas, but you don't want to speak to them because they're just so negative towards you. And these were the other social workers, but then every once in a while, there's one social worker that will come around who will understand that you are human, that you are a dad and you do have issues as well and you need the help just as much as, say, the mother does or the children do. And that's the social worker that um, Mm -hmm. Linda was saying then that introduced Mm -hmm. me to this group. She opened up a door for me and because she actually understood that I'm not always the problem, yes, I have done some things that I shouldn't have done, but I'm not the the main cause of the issue main cause of the issue was maybe to do with life I've had a different life and um, the mother's had different lives but she she was more understanding of me Mm. as a dad Mm. and listened to me a bit more and spoke to me a bit more and actually did some exercises with me to open up doors and maybe talk to her a bit and like I said then introduced me to the um, Caring Dad's programme which like I say, I jumped on. Mm. Tr- trust is something that I've always had an issue with. There's not a lot of people I trust. So her building up the trust, uh, taking her time enough to build up that trust with me is also another factor, mm. a contributing mm. factor that made me want to take part in this group as well. Because she was actually she, like I said, she she treated me more human. She understood that I have feelings and I've had problems in my life as well. Mm. And she basically built up enough trust with me to me to actually stand up and say, "Right, I will do this." Then
2: mm. we're coming to a close of this podcast now. But you know, throughout the
0: podcast Alan you've really talked so positively about you know the changes that have come from being part of the caring dads program so you know how are things now for you um and how's the caring dads program helped you and your family
1: well to keep it short how are things now um completely opposite to what they used to be to be honest it used to be I was very angry all the time I was very annoyed. You know, I didn't quite understand that what my children were doing was part of growing up, like I was explaining before. Um, But now it's it's calm, calmer. Um, There was a few issues that I explained to the caring dads group before about a 14-year-old who was angry all the time and he was directing it towards me and his mom, And um, that... Isn't even a thing anymore. He, he doesn't do that anymore. He still gets angry, yes, but he doesn't direct it towards his sisters or me or his mom. You know, it's that's because of the caring dads group. I think because of the techniques that I've learned there and the skills that I've learned with them, that it's allowed me to see see myself in his shoes, sort of thing. Because at one point it was a lot of screaming and shouting between me and him and that never wins anything it never works so it was always a lot of screaming and shouting but now there's there's none of that I do raise my voice at him sometimes and he understands now that I'm the parent and his mom's the parent yes he might be 15 now but he's more understanding now he he thinks about things more and that's partly because of the Caring Dads group. So how are things now? I'd say great now compared to what they used to be. They are really great. That's so
2: good to hear.
0: And Linda, just one final question for you. In terms of the Caring Dads programme, obviously um, Alan's involvement was um, two or three years ago. What's it been like across the pandemic? And have you been doing online sessions with fathers? And how is that, how how effective has that been compared to how, you know, positively Alan's talked about it here?
2: Yeah, so we've run, uh, what we started doing straight away in the pandemic was doing some one-to-one work individually with dads, either on the phone or on video calls, which isn't a Care and Does programme, it's just some one-to-one sessions, like just as a stopgap, we called it. And then we've now run two programmes online. I mean... I think that I'd always prefer to do it in the way that we did that group, Alan. Yeah. Um, you know, to sit around in a room and to, to talk to people. I think it was worth, it's been worth doing the groups. I think there's been some positive outcomes. We had to make the time shorter. Um, there's some things that you have to do differently. Like it's it's... So when somebody's online you know you've got to be much more careful they're in their house and you don't want to be getting them talking about stuff and getting all upset or or wound up and then they then going straight back to their family whereas the way you you did it you came to a place we talked about that then you'd have time to calm down you'd have you walking back so I think that I think that it's, it's definitely been worth doing it online but I would always prefer to do the groups in person if I could
0: well, thank you both so much for your time for this podcast. Um, before I go, I just want to check if there's any more things you want to kind of talk about or raise within in relation to the Caring Dads programme.
1: Um, I think just for the sake of saying if there is any other dads out there that do end up listening to this, they should give something like that a shot. Definitely give something like that a shot because it's changed my life for the better. And I also, another thing to add on to that, that the social workers that do listen to this, please, please understand that us dads are human beings as well. And we do have feelings. We don't want to be pushed aside. We want to help the best way we can. So I think that is something that will hopefully help someone.
2: That's really, that's really helpful. I mean, I think as well, you know, social workers, they could, they can. Let a dad listen to some of this podcast because I think hearing you speaking is, is the thing that would help most.
0: A really powerful and um wonderful note to kind of close this podcast on. So thank you, Lyndon and, and Linda and Alan, so much for your time. Um and we look forward to our listeners tuning into the next podcast, where we'll be speaking with Oreo and Marcus and um, to discuss another programme that's been going on at Leeds City Council. But Really, thank you very much, Linda and Alan. Thanks for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter? Tweet us at ResearchIP.